Hello and welcome to episode 267 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. Join me as always is the glorious League Freak, who you can also find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going very well. How are you, Andrew Ferguson? Look, I'm not too bad. Yeah. And I just want to say, I know what you're not wearing. Uh, okay. <laughs> what am I not wearing? Hairy balls. That's right. You know what? You got it in one because I go to manscaped.com. And, you know, if you go to manscaped.com and you look through their vast array of manscaping products, including the Lawnmower 3.0, which is just, it is, pardon the pun, the cutting edge of manscaping technology. If you go there, check out everything on their list. We're going to give you 20% off on free shipping just by putting in our exclusive code for our listeners, which is NRL, at the checkout. And if you put that in, you get 20% off, you get free shipping, you get a 30-day money-back guarantee. And you find when you use Manscaped's products, you feel better about yourself. Everyone feels better about you. You feel confident. You're ready to go. You're ready to take on the world because you know that if you get in a situation where your boys are hanging out, everyone's going to admire them. So go to manscaped.com, news code NRL, 20% off, free shipping. I don't know how much more our listeners can want us to do for them, quite honestly. Got me beat. Mm. I mean, we thought of everything we thought that they needed. Yep. Our list was shaven balls. Yep. We delivered. Exactly. Exactly. That's what we, we do. We, we actually, our, our list was like, okay, shave your balls. Face masks, sanitizer. No, let's go with the shaved balls. You've got to have shaved balls. Exactly. And the face masks, because let's be honest. Once people see that, they are going to want to get close. Exactly, exactly. When people see what your CAGs look like after you've used Manscaped's products, they're going to get within that 1.5 metre range. They'll yeah, have to, that's you right. know. You have to say to them, no, seriously, keep your distance. Yeah, yeah. Like, at the very least, don't breathe. You can kiss one or both of them, but, like, then put your mask straight back on. Yeah, don't, don't give them COVID. No, no. Like, it's it's not the time to put them both in your mouth. Just a kiss will do. <laughs> right. I, I think we should probably move forward from here. Okay, I'm up to I, move I think forward. That's, I think that's a pretty good, pretty good advert. Well, we try to do our best for our wonderful sponsor at manscaped.com. And they certainly aren't complaining. Exactly. They're back but with us. They are. They love us. They really do. And we so love them. We've decided that there's not much news going on. Mm-hmm. And so we'll do what any good journalist do. We'll make our own. Exactly. Where this is what, this is the heart of being content creators, hey? Like, Absolutely. We we don't need to rely on anyone else. We can do our own stuff here at Fergo and the Freak podcast. Yeah. And uh, that's what we're going to do today. And the good thing is, we're not doing a list, sort of. Yeah, it's not a top 10 list. No, that's right. Yeah, because they're, they're outdated and, you know. I mean, what? Is it 2005 again? Exactly, exactly. You know, come on, people. We're moving with the times here. So what we're going to do, we'll put you out of your misery. We're going to go through and we're going to name the, the, you know, the player who we think from each club 
needs to really improve this year. They need the yeah, they've got to have a make or break season, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. It's uh they they could be at a turning point. That things could go good or bad for them depending on what goes on this year and it's going to be an interesting chat. Exactly. And yeah, you know, it doesn't even have to be someone who's out of form, it's just someone who the club now may actually need more from. Mhm. Cuz mm-hmm. you know, rosters have changed and whatnot else. Exactly. So um We'll get into it, because we haven't actually shared notes here. No, no. Uh, so we'll start with the Broncos. Okay, do you want to go first, and we'll do it team by team, and I'll go first right. next time. That sounds good. All right, so okay. uh, I've got Brody Croft, because um, one area that the Broncos struggled in, out of many last year, is they were completely rudderless when it came to the spine, constantly chopping and changing everywhere, and it was largely because Croft could not find any form. And... He needs to find his feet. He needs to take ownership of this team at halfback because yep. without him, Milford is rudderless. Mm-hmm. Milford needs a stable uh, halfback who knows what he's doing to control the game so that Milford can run. Um, and so, you know, you can get your fullback run off the back of him. And at the moment, Milford's trying to do everything and it's not working. It's not what he can do. Is, you know, and their, their attack is a complete just dog's breakfast to watch because of it. Yeah, it's diabolical. It's interesting because Croft started last season looking all right, and it just his form disappeared pretty quickly. And I mean, he was one of those players that was crying after a loss, and you know that shows he's not in a real good place. It's interesting because I selected Anthony Milford as the player, and you know I, I feel like Anthony Milford he could very easily become a journeyman player. If this season isn't a good one for him, he's on a lot of money there at the Broncos, massive money actually. And he went there with big expectations, big money. And last year was, I think, the worst year of his career. He was really a non-factor. And it, like, I, I can see him and Croft, they really, if they fire, the Broncos could go all right. I don't think they're going to make the finals. But if they both have bad seasons... I could see where Milford goes to Super League and Croft ends up being moved on to another club. Probably Super League as well. It could very well be, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, Canberra's next. Okay, so I picked Tom Starling because, you know, he, he's got an opportunity and he played really well at the end of last year when he got his opportunity when Hodgson got injured. And he has the ability to cement that place as his own right now. And, you know, he's got plenty of time to do it. I think he's a better player than Hodgson. And I think the Raiders looked better with him at hooker. Um, And if he can start the season off well, it will be his job. And it will, I I don't think you could replace him with Hodgson when Hodgson does come back. That's that's not a bad one. Um, I've got Curtis Scott. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, turned up at the club with high expectations from the storm, had all that drama in the off-season, which has now thankfully been resolved. Uh, he really needs to just buckle down and focus on playing good footy because when he was on the field last year, for, especially for the first half of his season, he was he was atrocious to watch. Yeah, he wasn't a first grader at the nah. start of last year. No, nah, he wasn't even a Super League player. No, nah, he, and his defence, I mean, at, at, at one point, pretty much everyone was saying, you've got to get this guy out of the team because it, it wasn't just missed tackles. It was like, this guy's costing you about 10 points a game. Yeah, he was very bad. And I think 
when he's on his game, he's he's an absolute asset to this side. Mm-hmm. But we haven't seen him do that yet at the Raiders, so he really needs to pull pull out a good season. Otherwise, wouldn't be surprised if they ditch him at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And you know, because he had that drama at the start of the year, and he backed it up with such poor play. Yeah, it, it, he he could very easily become. Like next year, he might be starting in the New South Wales Cup somewhere, trying to start over again. That's right. That's a long road back from there. Yeah. Um, for the Bulldogs, I've got Dallin Martini Zalesniak. Oh, that's a good one. That's a real good that's, one. Boy, if anyone has been underwhelming, mm-hmm. it's been him. Because, you know, I remember when he was linked with the Tigers. Of course he was. Mm-hmm. Um Man, I was gutted with the Tigers missed out on him at the time because I thought, this guy's an absolute gun. We saw what he did when he played for New Zealand as captain when RTS was out. And he was a he was a dead set, you know, spitting image of what RTS did to the point where you thought, well, there's no point for RTS in this side anymore. Where do you put him? Yeah, but, yeah. And, like, I, and I was pissed off the Panthers let him go. I'm like, we just lost a, a guy that in a test match Look like an absolute absolute monster that Australia couldn't stop. Yeah, and then has not put in. I don't even think he's put in a six out of ten performance yet at the Bulldogs. He hasn't got that high yet. No, just no, been so underwhelming. And I'm I'm confident that he will probably start this season if the if Trent Barrett's got any brains about him. I'll be starting DWZ on the wing and Will Hopewadi at fullback. Yeah, so would I. And that's the thing about DWZ is that he's now at this point where you're starting to shuffle him just to keep him in the side. And, like, they've done that now last year, I mean, especially. Now he must be getting to the point where you start thinking, well, do we shuffle him out? Uh, That's right. He's (laughs) – that's the thing that's saved him at the moment is the fact he's been paid so goddamn much. Mm -hmm. You've got to put him in the side somewhere. Yeah. But um, especially, you know, next year when they get Josh Adokar there as well, mm-hmm. both the wing spots are taken up by test players and origin players in Kotrick and Adokar. Hopper Wadi at the moment is a much better fullback. Yeah. Where you're going to put an expensive DWZ. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, my Bulldogs player was Lachlan Lewis. The, you know, there's there's only so long you can live on the promise of what you might be able to achieve. Um, He has shown some pretty amazing signs at times, but then has followed it up with some underwhelming play. And he's also been a little bit injury prone at times as well. And I, I can see where the Bulldogs, you know, they're trying to rebuild their squad and he's either going to make himself a part of that, that plan, or they're going to say, we need to replace him with somebody, you know? And I, 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 it's going to go either way, and I think it's going to be based on his form this year. So for me, that that was big for it's a big year for him coming up. I think he'll probably be better served by having a, um, you know, fitness wise reliable halves partner in Kyle Flanagan there. Yeah, yeah. You know, you had four in there. Four and when he was on the field, absolutely brilliant, but it wasn't often enough. Yeah. And so you'd have instead of. Instead of Lewis getting a chance to sort of be a passenger in the halves and watch how someone like Foran does his work and learn and run off the back of that and learn how that's done, he at times had to do the work Foran did and be the chief playmaker when he was still sort of learning the role a bit, I guess, at that level. Which is not a, 
ideal situation. No, no. And, like, it, he's had a really disrupted start to his career, unfortunately. And he has. There's been a couple of games where you've watched him play and you're like, holy crap, like, he could be a star if he plays like this every week. But he hasn't had that consistency. And, and there just does come a point with a young half where, it, you know, all of the promise goes out the window and it's like, well, you've got to deliver. And I think that this is the year for Lachlan Lewis that he has to deliver. Can I ask what, how many games is that point that they've got to deliver on that promise? I think once you, as a, as a young half, and if you've been given the keys to a club and it's been full time, which it has been for Lewis, like if he's been available, he's been in the side for the most part. I think once you go into your third season, I feel like that's when you stop being the young half and you've got to start you've got to start being just the seasoned first grader and look it's really young. Like it's it's maybe a little bit too early for the vast majority of halves. But I think that that's the level that it's at now in the NRL and I think that that's why a lot of teams burn through halfbacks because you probably really need five seasons before you get to that point. Like, and I look at someone like a Nathan Cleary as a really good example. You know, he's, if you looked at him after three seasons, you were probably thinking, oh, how's it going to work out for him? And now you look at him and you sort of think, well, he's New South Wales' best halfback. And he he's really in a, a, a bit of a struggle with maybe a DCE for the best halfback in Australia if you're going into a test match. But, like, it's still too early for Nathan Cleary, and Nathan Cleary is an absolute outlier in terms of a young half that's getting it done at such a high level. Like, it's really, at at all-time levels, like, Andrew Johns made it happen really early, and Nathan Cleary might be the next guy behind him. And so young halves don't get very long to prove themselves now. I don't think it's a good thing, but I just think it's the way that it is. No, that's fair enough. Um, Cronulla, I've gone the uh, I've gone for the low hanging fruit and I picked Matt Moylan. Oh, okay, yep, yep. Um, let's be honest. This is this is last year at the at the Sharks. Yeah, and this will also be his last year on the huge coin because there's no one is signing him on big money after this. No, um, he's been erratic. He's been unable to cement down a position and. He's got really injury prone, and not with nasty injuries. He's not. He's not been getting the injuries that, you know, someone like Chris Lawrence got at the end of his career, which are absolute freak accidents. Yeah, yeah. Chris Lawrence was, yeah. I think one day he got an injury when he was walk. You know, he's just walking along the side of the road, and he got hit by three buses and a plane. <laughs> you know, and put him out for a few weeks. You know, mm-hmm. that's the sort of luck he had. But Matt mm-hmm. Moylan, he goes and takes a piss and pulls his hamstring. Yeah. Um. So there's been been talk already in the last few weeks that Matt Moylan has realised that he's not been given his absolute best to the... Well, hasn't hasn't performed at his absolute best at the Sharks, and he's doing everything he can to address that this year. And for the Sharks' benefit and for his, I hope that happens, because when he is on, on his game, he is very good to watch. But I don't think, even if he has his best season ever, I don't think it's going to be enough to see him get a contract extension at that club, or that it will be enough for him to earn the same money at another club. But yeah, that's I'd, where he's got. That's what he's got to do. Though. He's got to have his best season ever if he's going to have a chance of that, though. 
Yeah, and if he has his best season ever, it's like salvaging his career. You know, it, it, he's not going to get big money again. He's no. too injury prone. His his history is too checkered. Um, and he's yeah. also not, he's also not young Matt Moylan anymore because he's no. turning thirty this year. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, like he might be playing for a Super League contract this year. Yeah. My my Sharks play with Chad Townsend. That's a good one. Who has gone from being talked about as a player that could probably do a job at at State of Origin level mm. to a guy who last year looked he wasn't a first grader last year. He was actually detrimental to the Sharks every time he played. Um and, I've, got, and it, I've got to say though, his downturn in form mm-hmm. was the exact spark that Sean Johnson needed. It was, yeah, it was really weird, hey. Yeah, because, I mean, Sean Johnson, if he's got a half that's playing well, he will step back and let that half do their job and stay in that form. But if if his half's partner is struggling, then Johnson will step up and take over the reins and start to steer the club around. And when Sean Johnson's doing that, you know, steering the club around and taking control, that's when he's at his best. And he mm-hmm. had a, he was leading the competition for tries until he had his uh, Achilles injury from memory. So... I suppose Chad can take a bit of credit for that, but that's about it because everything else Chad did was just brown. Yeah, it, it was. It was, but it was shocking how bad he was. Yeah, and, 2016, and for, as you said, he was a genuine Origin contender. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a guy who was known for his like the consistency, like he's not a superstar, but he's just really, really consistent, and he knew what his job was, and he went out and did it. And last year, it just all disappeared. And, you know, there's – because of where the Sharks are and, and the club is obviously really keen to cut ties with – I mean, they, they haven't re-signed the coach, which you and me think is crazy because they're kind of so willing to make changes. And so anybody at the Sharks right now that doesn't have a good season, they are going to be on the chopping block. And Chad Townsend, I mean, he's got to be at the start of that list along with Matt Moylan, probably second behind Matt Moylan. Yeah. But, yeah, that's why I chose him. That's – I think the, the two best ones there to, to put forward. Um, the other reason why they've also – both of them have got to pull their finger out is because you've got Connor Tracy and um, Braden Trindle. Oh, Trindle was so good last yeah. year. They're both sitting there waiting in the wings, and they can jump in at any minute and take over. And Trindle – I still remember when he first came on the field, he just took control of that side. Yeah, it was his team, and it was really weird because you sort of you looked at him and you were like, "Well, this dude looks like he's a you know a twenty six year old, you know those journeyman players that sometimes yeah. come out of reserve grade." That's what he looked like, and yeah. he wasn't, you know, and and he's a he young really fella, did. and it was his team. Yeah, he looked completely in control, and yeah. um, I. I think the the Sharks are going to hang on to him for a while, and he he will be one of their long term halves. He's pretty bloody nippy on his feet too, so um, you know really electric. Every time he got the ball, he just looked like he he was going to create something. And you know the other thing about him too is he look he had that I, I don't even know what you call it, but you know the really good halves when they've got a little bit of magic about their game. Yeah, he had that. Yeah, and it was like oh this guy. It, yeah. it was kind of it was crazy to see and and yeah like 
I mean, if I'm the Sharks, I'm looking at his form and I'm saying, I think it's this guy. And if going into last year, if anybody had said to you and me, Chad Townsend, his job is under massive, massive pressure from a dude that hasn't even played first grade yet, we would have said, no, no, he's too solid. And he followed and he came out and he had a terrible season. So, yeah, make or break for Chad Townsend. Absolutely. Uh, The Titans. I think we both picked the same player here. Yeah, Ash Ash Taylor. Yeah. Talk about laying a fruit. Um, Ash Taylor. Uh, Enjoy the coins, my friend. Enjoy the coins. Yes, his last year of that big contract. And yeah. he is he needs to go out and prove his first grader. He's never gonna get that big money again. But it, it's a case of like is he a first grader, isn't he? He showed some signs at the end of last year that he might be worth giving a, a contract to again. But geez, I, if I'm the Titans, I, I kinda wanna move on and yeah. I, I need him to come out and have this sort of season where I'm like, well, Ash, you know, you've you've you earned a contract that got you millions of bucks out of this club for a long time. And you you earned a, a, a lower contract now going forward. But I need him to bloody earn that contract if I'm yeah. re-signing him. He's, um, the thing that gets me about Ash Taylor is just when you, you're watching him play and he looks like he's starting to play some good footy. Mm-hmm. He'll just start making a, a bunch of like, really clumsy errors. Yeah. Like he'll he'll throw a, just a straightforward pass from the back of a scrum deep inside his own half when his team's under the pump, or he'll knock on somewhere, or he'll drop a ball somewhere, or he'll go off the side of his boot out on the floor or something. Just really, really lazy sort of stuff that shouldn't be happening. And yeah. he's so damn lucky that, um, you know, he found a house partner who was able to take control of the team and push him into 5-8. It took a lot of responsibilities off him mm-hmm. and allowed him to sort of have a less stressful season. And look, last year was his best season by far, and it still mm-hmm. wasn't that great. So, yeah, he's got a long way to go. Yeah, and, and the thing is, too, like the guy that come in, and look, I, I can't even remember his name. I can remember his face. But the guy that come in, he, he was like a, a little bit... He's, he's not an older player, but he had a little bit of that journeyman about him. Uh, Fogarty. Queens. That's it, Fogarty. Jamal, Jamal Fogarty, yeah. And, and he he come in and he just did a job. And it did take pressure off Taylor. But if I'm the Titans, I think to myself, well, maybe we can get just another guy to go alongside Fogarty that will do the same job. And if they can find that player, I can't re-sign Ash Taylor. Well, that's the thing. I mean, at the moment, they've got someone there who can do... Ash Taylor's job already, and that's Tyrone Roberts, who's just he's just a solid, consistent player. You'll get the same from him every week, and that's mm-hmm. that's all. I mean, that's that's an upgrade for um, for Fogarty. And like Ash Taylor, even on his best day, and I don't know if you'll agree with this. I don't think Ash Taylor on his best day has that next gear above what a, a, a Fogarty gives you. No. Like Fogarty, there was times where he took he properly took over. I don't think Ash Taylor I've ever seen him really take over a game. No, he he hasn't. I'm, I can't say I've ever seen a game that Ash Taylor's played that's made me go, yeah, this kid deserves to earn a million dollars a year. Yeah, not even close. Not even close. It's never happened. No. Um, next is Manly, and I've got Dylan Walker. 
Oh, uh, that's a good one. And it's because I think Dylan Walker has been largely a waste of money for Manly. Because 100%. They picked him up with the intention of playing him in the halves when, I suppose, when Foran left. Mm-hmm. And he struggled there so much that they moved him out to centre. Yeah. And he struggled there that he got replaced by a bloke who was sleeping in his car. <laughs> and when you throw in the off-field stuff that's been going around with him, he's just... Oh, man. He showed so much promise in that last season at South before he went to Manly. He looked like he was on the cusp of, of something great. And I can see yeah. why Manly signed him. Yeah. But I think he's completely underachieved at Manly. Yeah, I... Personally, if I'm the Manly Seagulls, I am, I've am. i got that day marked on my calendar, November 1st, when I don't have to deal with Dylan Walker again. I, there's, He would have to come out and become an Origin-style player for me to have to even consider re-signing him. And even then, I, I think I'd... And, and look, this isn't how football clubs think. They don't care about the off-field stuff. But, uh, like, he's been such a waste of... It just even the roster spot, you know what I mean? It's not even yeah. just the place in the team. It's like the first-grade roster spot that he's been a waste of. And, yeah, he's uh, – I could see next year where he – it hasn't even got a, an offer from another club, unless it was a desperate club. What's the thing? I, I'm pretty sure he's off contract this year. Yeah. So, yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if he has to go over to Super League. My Seagulls player was <coughs> yep. a little bit different, a little bit of a different level. It's Jake Trebojevich. Yeah? Yeah. I think last year was, especially towards the end of last year, I thought he was super disappointing. I think that I don't know why why his form was so bad, but he just seemed to, you know, the thing about him is he he's a trier. He gets involved in everything. He he doesn't die wondering, and he he just sort of slipped out of the game in the last part of Manly season last year. And they had a, I mean, they had a really bad season. I think that the start that they had really papered over some of the cracks in how bad they were last year. And I think that, you know, when you've got a player like him, he needs to, he needs to be, you know, starring in these games. And when he's not firing, it really leaves DCE as a bit of a shag on a rock, you know, he's out on his own. So I think think that Jake, he was, I think he was having to fill in in the front row a few times. I know he started at prop in one game. Mm-hmm. But because they had a few injury issues, he had to he had to cover that spot a few times. Mm-hmm. And the other thing he misses that may, helps make him look good is Tom, mm-hmm. because a lot of the work that Jake would do would be setting up an offload or something for Tom to run onto the back of, and that's where mm-hmm. a, a lot of opportunities came from. And because Tom was injured for nearly all of last year, he just became a bloke who did hit ups and tackles. Yeah, what it like a. And I, we both hate the term. We fucking hate the term. But a middle forward, he that's, just become a run-of-the-mill middle forward. That's all he was. Mm. And, yeah. and he's better than that. Yeah, yeah, you know, he certainly is. I, I could see where a player like him could fall back into the pack. And, and the things that made him Jake Trebojevich, he wasn't doing at the end of last year. And that worries me because it's not like he's a, you know, it's not like he's a super athlete. 
on the field out there. I'm not saying he's not an athlete because he obviously is, but it was those extra things he did that made him a rep player. And if he's not doing those things, then he just becomes a tackling machine. And, I, you know, I he's so good when he's on. I don't want him to just end up being that player. No, that's right. He's he's an absolute, you know, a weapon to have in the forwards because he, he can play on both sides as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good good ball skills as well, but he just, yeah, he just became a slog it up the guts bloke, mm-hmm. which took away a massive attacking option they had, and just as you said, just put more pressure on DCE. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, I I think that he needs to think about what he wants for his career because I, you know, we've seen too many times where you get a a forward that does have a bit of creativity about their game, and a coach will turn them into just the you know, a, a meter eater and a tackling machine. And it, I mean, it grounds them down and, and it stops, it stopped some players from being special. I think it happened to Nathan Hindmarsh. I think Nathan Hindmarsh could have been one of the great like back rollers in our game's history. And let's be honest, the last, you know, two thirds of his career, it was about tackling and that yeah. was it. And he was That's better right. than that. Oh, much better. Another classic example of, of what you said there was um, what Tim Sheets tried to do to Nigel Plum. Mm-hmm. When Nigel came to uh, the Magpies, he was, he was quite a creative forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sheens just said, you've got to pile on a ton of weight, you're going to be a prop. And he was playing more like a back row at the time. Yeah. And so pretty much got pigeonholed there and just became a... Let's be honest, a very effective, at times, um, painful tackling machine. <laughs> yeah. But his attacking game had been almost completely removed from him, mm-hmm. which was disappointing. But, um, yeah, those people who got tackled by Nigel will still remember it <laughs> every time they wake up. Oh, jeez. Big hitter. Oh, yeah. Um who got next? Melbourne. I think we'll have the same player for Melbourne. Who have you got? I've got Jerome Hughes. Oh, we don't. There we go. Um, I I don't know with Jerome Hughes. He's He's been plonked into the halves. I don't think he fits there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's now going to be third in line at fullback because Nico Hines has come along and they're going to have to find a spot for him in the side. Uh, yeah, you've got Papanhausen who's now the fullback. Hines is a talent. They've got to put him inside somewhere. And I think he's a much better talent than Hughes is. And I don't know what they're going to do with Hughes because I think one of those two is going to have to be in the 17 and the other one's going to have to miss out. Yeah, and Hughes, Hughes feels like a, a, util, a utility player that they feel like they can get the job done with him there. And they did. They got the job done with him there. But you also get the feeling in that if Melbourne see the opportunity to bring in an actual halfback, that they do it in a second. Yeah. And that, you know, Bellamy, and you don't know what Bellamy is going to do going forward with his career. But I could see where if Bellamy could get his hands on a halfback that shows a bit of promise. And look, let's let's say somebody like a Lachlan Lewis. Say Lachlan Lewis becomes available. I could see where a Bellamy goes, you know what, if I put him alongside Munster, 
and I do the Melbourne thing with him, man, I could have a team that is going to be good for the next eight years or so. And it, it becomes almost a little bit of a project for the Storm. And, you know, if they get that young halfback, all of a sudden this Melbourne team, it, because it's a little bit of a veteran team, all of a sudden it starts looking younger, you know, Pappenhausen. They've got, uh, um, what's the hooker's name, the young bloke that they got back? Harry Grant. Harry Grant. We've also got Brand- this bloke. is the thing too. I mean, these are options I've got to them. If Cameron Smith chooses to, to stay on, mm-hmm. and I know I said this last year, and I still think it's an option this year because it, it happened an awful lot last year. Yeah. I'd just have him starting at seven. So would I. Because so you I. just take him out of the defensive line. He doesn't have to do anywhere near as much tackling. It means that you've got Grant and um, Brandon Smith can then rotate the hooking duties, if that's what you want to do, one on the bench, one starting. Um, so they both get to take that role per, you know, full-time. Yeah. You don't need Hughes anymore. Um, alternatively, if Smith, Cameron Smith decides to retire, I can't see any reason why you couldn't have someone like Harry Grant or Brandon Smith filling in at six and have Munster at seven. Well, like, or by you know, or you know, if you put Grant in the halves, you'd put him at seven. Yeah, like I, obviously Harry Grant's got that ability to play seven. He he, it's a little bit like, remember early on in his career, Farah, he, he was a hooker, but there was he probably could have made the transition a halfback. Well, he did I, play a fair bit of halfback too uh, yeah. in those early days. So, um, and that's largely because he had a very very good short kicking game. Mm-hmm. Um, and a pretty crisp passing game as well, even in the early days. So that's what made him really good there. Well, um, I think I think Grant could make that transition a lot quicker and a lot easier and have a higher ceiling. Um, absolutely. And the good thing about putting Grant there too is that it means that Munster can stay at six. If you put yeah. Brandon Smith in there, he'd have to go to six and Munster would have to play at seven. Well, look, my player is Brandon Smith for, for this reason and, and all the stuff we're talking about because – we're not talking about Brandon Smith a great deal in all of this. And I just think that Brandon Smith, you know, I, I, I think that the, the horse has bolted with that hooker position. And so what does he want to be going forward? And, we, and we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before. He got banged up a lot playing in the back row because he's not the biggest dude in the world and he does play at 1,000%. And I do worry that he's going to have a short, effective career. And it just worries me about him because I love watching him play. You know, he's such a, he's such, he's like a friggin' bull in the china shop, you know, when he plays. Oh, yeah, he's a real jack And the good thing about him too is he's got such a, um, such a bold personality. Yeah. You just yeah. see that he'd be the sort of person that a lot of players would want to be around and he'd become the, the centre of the team, mm-hmm. yep. which is something that a lot of clubs sometimes need to try and bring the playing group together, um, especially a team that's had to undergo a lot of changes. So I think two clubs that would really do with someone like him would be the Bulldogs and the Tigers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, it would be interesting. Like, I mean, look, the the Tigers should have been making offers for him before even Grant, you know. Yeah. Um, and... and and I don't know why they're... I mean, they should be making phone calls right now about Brandon Smith. All right, they need wingers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? They're, 
they're two or three wingers away from being really good. Yeah, that's um, right. If you get more wingers, the defense in the middle will be improved. <laughs> I still can't wait until they sign Josh Mansour for like $550,000. Keep good. going. It'll be seven, 800000 <laughs> On a four-year contract. Um, yeah. We're trying to free yeah. up cap space for him. It's interesting. Look, and like just an embarrassment of riches for the Storm. It is, like, it is. Like, Brandon Smith, for most clubs, is going to be like, wow, we've got a centrepiece. For the Storm, he's, he's, he's like, expendable. Yeah. He's to their needs. Jeez. They're so... Um, the Knights. Okay. Who have you got? I've got Connor Watson. Oh, that's a good one. That's a real good one. Uh, I, I see sometimes... And this happened last year. I think I've seen it again this year. When, te- when you know, you see these media outlets put out what they think the the strongest round one team is for these clubs. Mm-hmm. For some reason, they pe- keep putting Connor Watson at lock. Ooh. And I don't believe he's ever played in the forwards before. And I don't know why you would put someone like that in the middle. No. Where 50% of their job is going to be tackling people. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's got the ball-playing skills to be in the spine. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's got the size or the style to be a forward. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the Knights need anyone in the three-quarter line. So I no. don't know why they've got him or what they're going to do with him. He, he's obviously just a bench utility. But yeah, you know, is that really something that you need in a side these days? Len, look, he, he showed sparks at times next year, uh, last year. But I, I always thought when they got him, it was a little bit of a almost a comfort blanket sort of signing, you know, a coach that kind of, he, he, he was comfortable with that player. So he wanted to have him around. Yeah. And I agree with you. It, he feels like surplus to the Knights, you know, and and he, he feels like if the Knights are going to take the next step, it's going to be a step beyond Connor Watson, unfortunately. Yeah. And that's harsh, but man, that's, that's the business of it. That's right, yeah, that's just the way it is. My my play was Mitchell Pierce, and I know it's a real easy one, <laughs> but um, putting all the drama, the bullshit drama aside, you know, he's now starting to have, the, he'll have that tag on him of, like, the age thing, and we all know that there are question marks about how far he can take you. As a as your number one playmaker and halfback and all that, and I just feel as though he might. He, I feel as though if they're going to take a step, and it's a little bit with the Connor Watson thing, if the Knights going to take a step, they're going to have to step beyond mutual Pierce, and I could see where the Knights start making some inquiries to clubs where if they feel as though they can build something for the future, they'll say. Would you like Mitchell Pierce? And I think there are some clubs that could take Mitchell Pierce on and it'd be an upgrade. And I think as someone like the Tigers. You know, Cowboy Tigers, we said that Mitchell Pierce should be a hooker. I still think he'd be a great hooker. But um, Well, we'll say this about Mitchell Pierce, is that, and a lot of people do knock him, but mm-hmm. I think he was exactly the signing that Newcastle needed when they signed him. I, I agree with that, yeah. They were struggling for any sort of... Um, you know, leadership, any sort of consistency. And they had an erratic spine for a long time. And 
at club level, Mitchell Pearce is reasonably reliable, and mm-hmm. he can win you games. You know, we, we've seen him in the last two or three seasons while he's been at Newcastle. He's had purple patches where he's had a bunch of games in a row where he's been really bloody good to the and point it, that he keeps getting brought up in origin conversation around the same time. And, yes, it's frustrating, but he plays well enough to get into that conversation. And a big thing is people that are around him love him. Yeah. Right? They absolutely love him. Coaches, players, anybody that's around Mitchell Pearce loves him. Now, this drama that is obviously having had an effect on that at the Knights, but I, I feel as though that Mitchell Pearce, I feel like this is going to be his last year at the Knights. And I would have said that before any of the drama stuff happened. Yeah. And I I think that the move... The reason I named him is because I think his move from the Knights, it could be a very, very good one for him. Or it could be one where he's just... It's, it peters out at the end of his career. And I hope that doesn't happen. Like, I would like to see him go somewhere where he is... You know, there'd be nothing more awesome than see Mitchell Pierce have some... And he doesn't need it. He doesn't need this for himself. He's well paid. He's a young bloke. He's, a, he's you know, he's won a premiership. He's now he's won a state of origin series. He's done more than the vast majority of players that have ever played the game have would love to have done. But I would love to see like an end to his career where, you know, could you imagine him going to play the last few seasons at the Storm? And he becomes central to them winning like three premierships in a row or something crazy. It'd be awesome. But it would be. Look, I I think that he's get to that point now where he came to the Knights and he helped them go from being the dog shit side that got smashed every week. Mm-hmm. He helped them move up to being a team that makes the finals. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's reached the end of his purpose purpose at at the club. Yeah, like that was it, right? You got us here. Now we've got to find the new players to, to move us from there. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to see him go to a club that genuinely needs an experienced half who can give you that consistency. He's not going to be a game-breaker all the time, but he's going to give you the, that consistency and maybe help guide around a young half mm-hmm. to help them move up to that next level. And that's kind of what he's kind of like a fixer to help you get to that next level. But mm-hmm. he's not going to be he's not going to be the bloke that you're going to rely upon to actually win you a title. No, no. It's going to be a bloke that helps you steer your club in the right direction towards that purpose. And so he'd probably go rather well at, say, Parramatta. Um, yeah. Given they've got a very young spine. Yeah. Sort of young head there would be good. Uh, you know, we say the Titans a few times, as you said, the Cowboys. Um, I think he'd be good around those sort of outfits, especially given that they've got decent forward packs you can work behind. Yeah, and they've got they've got another playmaker there who is they've got the ability to take over a game, you know, at times. Yeah. Um, and the thing about Pierce, like, his defense is fantastic. So what you like about his attack and, you know, disappearing when it matters, his defense is always fantastic. He's one of the best defensive players at, in the halves in the whole comp. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I would, I can't think of any halves that would be better than him, to be honest, defensively. Yeah, yeah I think that, uh, like... Cleary is probably the only other one I'd put in that sort of elite defensive category. Um, it, it, 
and that's about it. Like, I can't think of anyone else for a halfback. DCE's yeah. very good as well, but not on their level. No, 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 not close. Um, Cowboys. Have, have we missed the Warriors? I think we missed the Warriors. Uh, put them down the end. Okay, okay, that's cool. Uh, Cowboys. Who? Uh, well, I'll go next, right? Yeah, you've got a list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. When me and Andrew were putting our list together, and we didn't consult on these lists. We did it in uh, in radio silence. Yeah. I, I literally could have named, like, half a dozen Cowboys players. And I'm thinking, it, it, like, and we'll go through them. But I listed for my player, Michael Morgan. So, so do I. Okay. So how's about... Given that I've named him, how about you bring up another one that you had on your list? I could have had Cohen Hess. That's I a good have, one. I could have had Valentine Holmes. Hey, I'm, I'm willing to give Holmes a uh, one season to, to get himself back into the mode of things. But okay. Hess, Hess okay. definitely. I, I definitely had Matt Daylight. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's been very average for a long time, Matt Daylight. He's been bloody quiet for a decade. He really has. Um... <laughs> walking in, picking up checks and walking out. That's what he's been doing. Terrible. Uh, <laughs> Justin O'Neill, I think he's still there. Is he still there? I think he's still there. Bloody I'm sure he's still there. It, like, play, like he, they... plays, he plays outside uh, Matt Daylight. Yeah, yeah he's uh, still there. Uh, so, like, there's just so many of them. You know, that the only players that really... I mean, Jason Talmalolo is a superstar. And, you know, God bless him because a lot of other players would be looking at this Cowboys team that is just falling apart around him and saying, hey, you know, I, I, I'm better than this. Yeah. And he hasn't. He hasn't. He, there hasn't been a peep out of him. No, no. He just rips uh, in. But going back to Michael Morgan... Um, he's shown to be very injury prone. Their head knocks are a real, real concern. Mm. Like, if he comes out early on this se- season and gets a head knock, I, th- I think you and me would say like it's retirement time. Oh, definitely, um, definitely. And and then there was that comeback game last year where this great player, Origin player, Test player, he looked like a guy off the street playing in a first grade game. Yeah. And it was it was really sad to watch him play. And I know he was really badly underdone in terms of game time, but um, I don't think I've ever seen a player of his ability play that poorly in a comeback. And it, it really worried me, especially when you coupled that with the headlocks and the head knocks, sorry. And um, I, I feel like he's either going to, have let his body heal up. He's and he's got everything under control again. And if he has, he, he, you know, he could be their halfback, their chief playmaker, and all that for another, you know, three or four years. But if he hasn't, it's literally the end of his career. Yeah. Um, the word is he's he has got his body right in the off season, mm-hmm. and he's going to be fully fit for the first time to start a year in the first for the first time in a few seasons. So mm-hmm. that's a positive thing, but. We need him to stay fit on the field because um, one person who needs him fit on the field more than anybody else is going to be Valentine Holmes. Yeah. Um, because the problem that the Cowboys had is that they were, they were using makeshift halves an awful lot for the last few years while um, Morgan's been in, you know, when he's been injured mm-hmm. or out for origin duties. 
you know, he had like a front row and John Asiata playing a five eighth and stuff like that for quite a lot of games. Yeah. Problem with that is that when when they did get Valentine Holmes there, they've gone. We've paid you a lot of money. You're playing at fullback. We expect you to be a playmaker. And when Valentine Holmes was at his absolute best, even at the Sharks, he wasn't a playmaker. No, he's a finisher. He's a finisher. He's a bloke you send the ball to. You've got a wraparound play. You send the ball out to him. He'll finish it off, or he'll be able to throw that last pass to set someone else up, something like that. But that's the that's the extent of his playmaking ability. That's it. You've got to be close to the line. You've got to be in an attacking position, and you've got to be close to scoring, and Holmes will get the rest of the job done for you. Um, because they kept having issues with their playmakers, Holmes kept getting pushed into that playmaking duty, and that's why he was struggling so much for form, in my view. Yeah. Um, so that's why Morgan being fully fit is essential to helping take a lot of that playmaking pressure off Valentine Holmes and allow him to play his natural game. It, it's a, re- and you know what, and, and that's the thing, like there's so much hanging over how he comes out and plays this year. And, you know, on top of that, like they've got a new coach and the co- he's going to want to build something. And, the first thing, he, I mean, he knows he's got one of the greatest forwards of all time who's going to be good in, like, six in six years from now, Tom Malolo is going to be one of the top forwards in the game. So you know you've got that to start with. Yeah. So he's going to start looking at his halves and his hooker and stuff like that. And, you know, you know he might just tap Morgan on the shoulder, at, you know, even if Morgan plays well. And that's why it's such a big season, a make or break for him. Um it's it's weird when a player, you know, and I've always liked watching Morgan play, but it's weird when you see a player get to such a pivotal point in their career like that, where he, like, he, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he comes out and it's like, wow, Michael Morgan's back. And I also wouldn't be shocked if three rounds in he retires. Like, yeah, he's kind of at that point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the other one you mentioned was Cohen House. Oh, Boy, did he explode onto the scene and then, let's just be honest, just fizzled. And, like, he even got a, a go in Origin last year, weirdly, and was so bad. <laughs> like, even Queensland fans were like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, he's gone from being an intimidating, hard ball running forward with the world at his feet to I'm at the stage where as soon as he's off contract, I don't even consider re-signing him. I wonder if what happened was that first, those first few seasons he came on, he was playing the way that he wanted to play. Mm-hmm. And then when Thurston left, he was immediately put into a position where he had to play a completely different style. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't something that worked for him because yeah, he's, He's nowhere near the threat he used to be. He used to be able to just make a try for himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, just yeah, he's got the build for it. He's and we know that when he's when he's ripping in, he's got his heart set on it too. So he's not a lazy player. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, he's just having zero impact. It's almost mm-hmm. like he's being coached to be. Yeah, you know, the coach has not been able to use him properly, which is probably why Paul Green was given the food and the date, I guess. Yeah. Among many other reasons, obviously, but, you know, Cohen Hess's development hasn't plateaued. It just, it spiked. Yeah. Yeah. And and 
like the, it's not like you can say, well, he, you know, he got this leg injury and it slowed him down or hurt his mobility or anything like that. And he can be on the field for, you know, a lot of minutes and have zero impact at all. Yeah. And I, I just, it's so weird. I know for me, I, I'm beyond with Cohen Hess, the, I'm beyond waiting for it. If you'd gone into last year, I would have been like, oh, yeah, hopefully this year. You know, in 2021, though, I feel like it's not going to happen and I would just be waiting for the end of his contract and saying, you know, good luck at your next place, Cohen. You know what, though? He'll always have a special place in my heart. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Because I'll never forget, what was it, Darwin? Yeah. Cowboys versus Parramatta. Cohen Hess was just a train. He, he, really crushed, he crushed a child by the name of Mitch Moses. <laughs> oh. Well, look, that's a segue, right? Because the next time we've got Seals. Yeah, it is. And I had Mitch Moses. I had two plays. I had Mitch Moses and Blake Ferguson. Well, I had Blake Ferguson, so there we okay. go. We've got those two. Um, Ferguson was, wow, he was just missing. Yeah. He was just missing. Um, man, he'd been so such such a dynamic performer for so long for a number of clubs, mm-hmm. and just when we thought he hit the peak of his career and he was just going, you know, just going to be an absolute behemoth this year, he could not could not cross the line to save his life. Yeah, and like at first you were like, well, you know, bit of bad luck, you know, yeah. plays going away from him. As the season went on, you realised it was a bit more than that. And because of the way Parramatta plays and, and he, him and uh, Sivo was such a big part of their game plan, you know, having those giant wingers coming into it, that when Sivo started picking up a, a couple of, you know, knocks here and there, it was so blatantly obvious that Ferguson just was not contributing anymore. And, you know, he's a little bit like P- Mitchell Pearce in the sense of like, now the tag on him will be his age as well. And he's coming off the worst year of his career by quite a long way. And he really needs to step up and, and get something happening this year. I think the thing was why Blake Ferguson's form was such a problem is the... I think the, the halves of Parramatta realised that he was struggling to score tries. So mm. the first thing they did is they went, right, we'll just go to Sivo because Sivo was still scoring. Mm-hmm. The problem with that, though, is that they went to Sivo's side so often it became so easy to defend against. Yeah. Which is why Sivo started getting hit a lot more and they're sort of starting to get a lot more head knocks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And given that that was Parramatta's strike attacking option, mm-hmm. when you've got Sivo and Ferguson both essentially out. Ferguson was just woefully out of form and Sivo was in and out of the side due to his head knocks and whatnot. It meant that their attacking force was completely taken off them and that's why they went. They started the season in absolute red-hot form and then their attack completely disappeared in the second half of the season. Yeah, and like I guess some of that comes back to Mitchell Moses it now. It doesn't, doesn't entirely because... Yeah. He lacked the ability to try and find new ways to score points or create opportunities because his go-to thing, even when he's at the Tigers, was kick to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, he's at his best when he's actually running the ball, and he stopped doing that. He stopped doing it. Look, I, I still feel as though, 
when he got that ankle injury, and I remember seeing him when he was because he was at the end of the field, he was over the dead ball line, and he was grabbing around near his Achilles. Like he was, I actually thought I might have even tweeted, man, he's the way he's reacted. That's an Achilles injury. Now they said it wasn't. They said it was just a, a calf strain from memory. Um, but he never come back from that. No. And he he like Mitch Moses. Part of his game, as you say, it's his running game, and it's ex- explosiveness and his speed. And he that went that disappeared. It felt like he wasn't willing to put the pedal down. Um, and I don't know if it was because he was worried about re-injuring it or whatever, or it it just wasn't there for him. Um, but he, because of him and Dylan Brown, I mean, they were they really complemented each other really well. And Dylan Brown, he he had that ability to take the playmaking role off of Mitch Moses, and it works great because when it's all on Mitch Moses, he's not a he's not what you want. Is all your playmaking on Mitch Moses? He just doesn't get the job done. And so that's why I think this year he needs to come out and, and start the season like he did last year and keep it going. Because if he doesn't, I mean, Paramount is in the window. They haven't got three or four years they can look ahead to now. It's now for Parramatta. And the last thing that Mitch Moses wants is for the Eels to be looking around and saying, hey, it's not him. Who's it got to be that we need to bring in to make it happen? Oh, Yeah. And he's got that big burden over his head too of the fact that he might be playing might be the first halfback of Parramatta to reach a hundred games in the seven jumper since Sterling. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it, it it's a big season for him. He needs to come out and have some form because in a weird way as he goes, so too to Parramatta. Yeah. All right, Penrith. I've I, got uh, I've got Jerome Luai. I considered and him. The reason for it is because he did play a. He was just a a ball runner, played a lot of a backseat sort of role, and mm-hmm. chimed in occasionally in the attack. Mm-hmm. But he needs to really become more of a playmaker in his own right, so as to take some more of that pressure off Cleary. Because now that Cleary's played a fair bit of games, he's now going to get targeted even more and more heavily. And if if Luai doesn't have a lot more of a arsenal in attack. The Panthers' attack can get shut down a lot more easily if they just shut down Cleary, and that's going to start happening. Yeah, and we saw it a bit at the end of last year, um, yeah. where you know you just looked at whatever side of the field Cleary was on, and, and that's one of the traps that Penrith get caught in is that you know it's 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 Cleary and the big fella, you know, and that's. They need that extra point of attack, and that's where he's got to step up because – and look, I had Edwards at fullback who played better as the season went on, but I, I think you need more Eddie fullback in attack, and for the same reason. You know, yeah. it can't just be all around Cleary because no no NRL club can have that one point of attack because no. it's too easy to shut down. We saw it with Manly for most of this year when D, when um, DC was the main playmaker and they didn't really have a, uh, a fullback in Tom Trevoyage to help with that duty mm-hmm. or, a, or a regular five-base for that matter. Yeah. Yeah, it, it made it a lot easier to shut down Manly's attack. And that's the same problem that the the Panthers could have. I don't think it's anywhere near as drastic there. I think Luai does actually have some 
playmaking ability. We've seen it throughout the year. But I think he needs to add some more stuff to his arsenal, including a a better kicking game. His kicking game is yeah. not bad, but it needs to be a lot better, I think. Yeah, and like the Panthers have, have let a couple of players go in the offseason. Um, they're not going to have as much depth in the forwards. But there would also be the opportunity, I would suggest, for them to maybe upgrade in an area if they saw a need to. And I could see where the club would say, look, we need to look at our halves um, because they're in the window. They're in the window right now. And their window's a little bit longer because Cleary's so young. But Well, most of the side is. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, they can't just sit back and wait for it to happen because we've seen teams fall apart pretty quickly. And, yeah, if if they get that extra point of attack, Penrith becomes really scary. And it it's on Luai to, to be that extra point of attack. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you have someone there? Yeah, Edwards. Edwards. Oh, Edwards, that's right. Fullback. Yeah, I, okay. look, I think that fullbacks are a dime a dozen. You know, there's so many good fullbacks in the comp. And I, at many times last year, I just felt like Edwards didn't give enough out of fullback. He seemed like the fullback you have when you haven't got your real fullback. And I think that he needs to step up and, and become a better player. Because if he doesn't, I'd be looking around. Because if Penrith can get something going out of attack at fullback, they're they're a really scary team. They've, you know, that that's the thing about Penrith. They're either gonna, you know, settle in and be an all right team, or they're going to improve in different areas and just be just horrible to play against. Yeah. All right, uh, Dragons. I've got Corey Norman. Yeah, Corey Norman. I had look. I had Paul Vaughan. Yeah, that's not a bad one either. Mm. Um, Corey Norman, though. Um, see, I think a lot of people would be inclined to go with Ben Hunt, but I think the the thing with Ben Hunt that sets him apart from Corey Norman is he still rips in and gives a hundred percent every bloody game, mm-hmm. and that was shown when they started playing him at hooker. Yeah, I think um, that you. I think you could see a lot of teams. They could say, like, I, I think you say Ben Hunt went to the Storm, it'd be like, oh, man, they got a lot better. You know, there's teams that he could go to that he would really improve them. Whereas Corey Norman, I, I don't know a team that could honestly say, let's go out and get Corey Norman. You know what I mean? He, he needs someone at seven who's going to control the game and take all the pressure off him so he can just roam around and do as he, free, do as he likes. So, you know, he'd be good alongside someone like Cleary or DCE. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that's where he'd go really well. But at the moment, playing alongside a, a halfback who's a bit out of form, and that was because he was playing behind a forward pack that was being, you know, they weren't being smashed. I think mm-hmm. the forward pack just wasn't wasn't being that effective because they were being coached pretty poorly. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there was pretty much just a very basic game plan and very easy to stop. You know, they weren't trying to offload much. Um and that that just meant that the halves had to try and create more without having to rely on second phase play, which mm-hmm. is always a hard thing to do. Yeah. Um, and Norman is a ball runner more than anything else. He's a ball mm-hmm. runner, and he wasn't being asked to do that job under um, McGregor. He was being asked to try and be a halfback, and that's never going to work out good. No. No, no. I, like, 
he he's either gonna make himself it's a little bit like Ash Taylor. He's either gonna show his club that he's worth keeping on or he could end up in Super League in twenty twenty two. Yeah, I, I've always likened him to being a very similar style of player as Anthony Milford. Yeah, when he's at his best, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and, yeah and, and Paul Vaughan, yeah, that was a... Um, I'm a huge fan of Paul Vaughan, but yeah, he had a disappointing season. It was terrible. You know, we went from being one of the first forwards you'd pick for Australia to being the sort of player who you kind of thought, are oh, the Dragons better with him out of the team like it was really strange i don't know what i don't know he went from being a behemoth to yeah yeah exactly so for me it was him because if he comes back to his form that he had the previous year he's one of the best prop forwards in the game but if he plays like he did last year he's uh you know he ends up being in that dame carlaw thing of like oh yeah he had a good you know, six months there, and then no, no one was worried about him ever again. Yeah, um, the bunnies, the bunnies. I had uh, Corey Allen. Corey yep. Allen. I think Corey Allen's actually gone to the Bulldogs. Oh, has he? I think so. See, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that because oh, no, I found only, it... it only happened uh, a week or so ago. Just check. Because oh, I might be wrong. I looked through the bunny side. And there, it felt like to me there wasn't too many players that it was make or break for. Like, I, I really like the look of the bunny side, actually. And I feel like they're going to have a really, really good year. But he was the only one that really stood out for me. It, like, has he gone? No, not yet. I think he's in right. talks with the Bulldogs. So he's okay. still contracted to the bunny. So. Okay, yeah, because for me, it, he's not going to be their full back. Like Latrell Mitchell comes straight in, and I just don't, I don't see him pushing anyone out of that back line, and I think he's good enough to be a first grader. Well, this is the thing though. I mean, a centre spot's just been opened up with James Roberts leaving. Well, not really opened up because he hasn't really been there. Yeah, but there could be a chance that Latrell plays in the in the centres. See, I the way that Latrell was playing. And that's the thing about when he got his injury last year. He he had just stepped up to that point of like, oh, now the Latrell Mitchell's one of the best fullbacks going around. And then yeah. he got injured, you know. It was such bad timing. And I just think with Allen, Allen is this year could be the difference between him being a reserve grader again or establishing himself in first grade. And that's that's absolutely massive. Yeah. I've got uh, Dane Gagai, and it's mm-hmm. largely because he's he's the modern-day Dale Shearer. Mm-hmm. And that is, you put him in a Maroons jumper, and he will rip the place down and be the best on the field nearly every single time. Yeah. Bring back to club football, not so much. Mm. And he is an absolute, absolute game-winner player there. And... South of they don't have the most stunning backline. They've got a few good players there. Yeah, they're they're more got, solid. Yeah, you got Latrell, Gagai, and um, Alex Johnson. Mm-hmm. They're your three standouts. Mm. And the other two you got in the in the backline there are just they're not too bad. Mm. And I think 
Gagai really needs to, A, nail down a spot because he's been playing a bit of centre and a bit of wing. Yeah. Pick a spot, stick with it, and then he's just got to absolutely nail it and play like he's wearing a maroon jumper every week. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. There was a couple of games at the end of last year for South. Oh, yeah. He had that origin sort of form. Oh, yeah. But for the most part, like, he's one of those players that when you played against South, you weren't worried about, which is really weird because then you're seeing play for, you know, Queensland and there's few better players on the field, win, lose, or draw than him. So You you avoid him in origin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the Roosters, I've got Boyd Cordner. Oh, that's a really good one. You see, I think for the last two years, mm-hmm. he has been very, very poor. Mm-hmm. And it's not just because of the, the head knocks or he hasn't been on the field. When he has played and he's been on the field, he's, his hands have been pretty poor. He's dropped yeah. a, lot of, a lot of simple passes. Mm-hmm. And... He got to the point where he was just starting to become a bit of a battering ram. Yeah. Yeah. And he, you know, he looks like somebody that the grind has got to physically. Yeah. yeah. Um, the head knocks, though, is, it is a worry along, along the same lines as Michael Morgan. Mm-hmm. I am concerned a bit about that. Um, so, and they're happening a bit too frequently, and more frequently than Michael Morgan's ones are. Yeah, and, like, he's in a similar thing of, like, he could be retired by round three if things don't go well for him in terms of getting a head knock. Mm. You know, there was already talk last year about should he retire. If he gets a head knock, you know, and the thing is, too, like, it wasn't as though he was getting these big blows to the head and they were knocking him out. He was starting to get to where it was just contact. Yeah, it was getting milder and milder, and that's yeah. the concern. Yeah. Like Michael Morgan's ones were still from pretty heavy collisions. Gordon's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. were getting a bit milder every time. Um, and that's the thing. I don't think in the last two years that Cordner was the asset he used to be in that club. And I think he's become... He's got to the point now where I think they could get someone else to come in and do his role yeah, with, without any real hassle. Yeah, and, and so, yeah, that's a really good one. Look, I had Joey Manu. Uh, last year was not a great year for him, I didn't think. You know, the previous year, there were times where he played at fullback and you're like, wow, this, you know, is he, is he like a really top-class fullback, and we don't know it. And then in the centres, like, he was fantastic in the centres. Last year, he sort of fell back a little bit. And I think that, you know, if he has a massive season, he could get himself back into that star sort of category. And I worry that he, if he doesn't have a big season, he'll, he'll just stay where, you know, some plays you don't have to worry about. And I think he's better than that. I think he's way better than that. So that's why I listed him. I wonder if he snuck under the radar a bit because that that year that he had that was absolutely stunning, was it two seasons ago? Mm. Latrell Mitchell was getting all the plaudits for Mm. having a great season himself. Yeah. I wonder if Manu just sort of slipped under the radar. He had a great season himself, but there were less eyes on him because they were all looking at what Latrell was doing. Yeah, I I really think it was, you know. And and I I felt even at that time, I was like, 
is he the go- is he the one? Like, and obviously the Roosters felt like he was the one you hold on to because they held on to him. Mm. But he seemed like he could hit that same level that Latrell was. But you know, he, you didn't have to worry about. You know, Latrell seemed like there were some other things that were going on in terms of what he wanted to be as a a player. He wanted to be a fullback and all this stuff. And Joey Manu didn't have that. And, you know, at that time, he was a safe bet, but he'd come out last year and it just, he didn't have that same spark. And I I need to see that from him this year because if he does have that, he, he becomes one of the game stars. And I think he's got that ability. Oh, he's already shown it. Absolutely. All right, um, who you got for the Warriors? I had RTS. RTS? Yes. Who did you have? Peter Hiku. Okay. That's an interesting one. Uh, Peter Hiku has at times looked like um, an AFL player trying to play rugby league. (laughs) And at other times, at the most obscure times of all, he's been an absolute game saver. Yeah. Um, and, man, I just want to see him play consistent footy. I don't, it doesn't have to be consistently game-winning. I'd just like to see him playing some consistent footy where he's reliable because mm-hmm. um, that would mean so much to that Warriors side. They need to start getting reliable, consistent performances out of their side before they start thinking about you know, playing finals footy and stuff like that. They need to start being consistent. Yeah. And too much of them are genuinely hit or, hit or miss. There's not much middle ground. Yeah, yeah, exactly, 100%. Look, I, I chose RTS because if I'm RTS, I'm on a million bucks. I'm the star of the team. I left a team that, you know, is a perennial contender for the Warriors. Um, there's been talk about him going to rugby union. And I, I consider RTS to be one of the three best players in the world, have done for the last, you know, three or four years now. And I think that, if they put in another terrible year and I'm RTS, I can't waste my my sporting career there anymore. I need to see the Warriors really step up and do something that I can look forward to. Otherwise, I'm out of there. And, and that's the only reason. It has nothing to do with him as a player individually. It's more a case of, you know, do, do they if they finish in 12th place or something like that, does RTS go to the club and say, look, I've got to leave because I I have the potential to be one of the great players of all time in rugby league and I need to be able to show that in a club that is actually good and going somewhere or, do, or does he just look for a bit of a change? He seems to like living in New Zealand. Um, yeah. And that's why I think he'd go to rugby union. But uh, yeah. I, so that's why I, th- I listed him. It's nothing to do with him as an individual. It's more where his career is at and what he wants to do with the rest of it. That's fair enough. And, uh, oh, look, lucky last, West Tigers. Okay, who did you have? I've got two. Okay. I've done well. I've whittled it down to two. <laughs> okay. Um, I've got Jacob Little down. Mm-hmm. Um, he did play well when he got onto the field last year, and this is going to be his first... I believe his first off season fully fit, mm-hmm. um, and he really does need to have a big season next year because I think he's off contract at the end of the year, mm-hmm. and the Tigers do have um, a pretty good, well, uh, talented uh, young hooker 
waiting in the wings. Yeah. So little, not only does he have to play well, but he's got to start to become an 80 minute player and he's got to do that in the space of one year. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, um, even if he has a fully fit season, the the whole injury prone tag is still going to be stuck on him even after one good year. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets pushed on so they can move forward with someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one I had was James Roberts. Oh yeah, yes. Uh, he is training with the club. I've seen pictures of him running on the field. He's looking focused and everything like that, which is good. But he hasn't played good football since he left the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had a fair few off field dramas. That, I hoping, I assume they're all behind him now, and he's able to focus on playing footy because I mean he's out on the training field now. He looks to have been uh, had a bit of a shoulder issue, which I think he's almost over. Mm-hmm. He needs a big season, and if he can have a big season at a club like the West Tigers, that's going to go a long way to proving that he's um, he's back in form because the West Tigers are habitually a team that is hard to have consistently good format for anyone. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that would be huge for the club if he if he does hit some top form there. Yeah, it, it, for both those players, you could see them. I mean, Roberts, if it's really, I feel like, his last chance. Yeah, he's going to struggle to find another club after this if, yeah. if he's going to go elsewhere. So he really does need to knuckle down and make this work. I I had Luke Brooks. And the reason being that if when's it going to happen you know i know he's had a lot of issues around him and stuff like that but when are we going to see luke brooks become the player that we hope he's going to be you know and and there's been a lot of disappointment and stuff in terms of his ability to really control games and things like that and i just wonder when it's going to happen and i feel like it has to happen now and he's it's a terrible time for it i don't think he's got the players around him he needs to have. But you can't rely on everyone else. At some point, it's got to be on him, you know, and he's just seen Benji Marshall, you know, be be kicked out the club, and Benji Marshall never died wandering. He's he's played great when he's had terrible Tigers teams around him. It's time for Luke Brooks to do the same thing. Yeah, look, I think for, for Brooks, the problem he's had is... I think from the get-go, when he first got into the side, he was never a he was never a dominant playmaker. Mm-hmm. And just as he looked like he was getting there, remember he had that season a few years back and he ran second of the Dally M. Mm-hmm. It looked like he was just starting to hit his hit his straps there. And the year before, he actually looked pretty strong as well. Yeah, you know, had but Robbie Farrell was involved in the club and. Farrell is always going to take control of a side because he's been, always been the captain and he just likes to lead from the front. That's the sort of player he is. Yeah. And that's the sort of player Luke Brooks needs to be. Someone yeah. Someone who will yeah. lead from the front. And then, you know, these last two years, he's had Benji Marshall in the halves alongside him. And Benji's been playing great footy. And Benji, just like Farrah, leads from the front. He's a leader. He'll go out and he'll show you where to go. Mm-hmm. And it just meant that the more reserved Brooks just took a back seat. He chose yeah. to do that yeah, because that's his nature. But now he's going to be in a situation where he is actually the experienced player in the spine, mm-hmm. not just in the halves, but in the spine. And he needs to get that confidence to be able to 
play calls, tell players what to do, and run the team, not just for bits and pieces of games, for the full 80 minutes every single week. Yeah, because it's undoubtedly his club this year. Yeah, and I know he can do it because we've seen him do it before, but just in bits and pieces. Yeah. Um, he's got bloody good speed for a, for a small half. Mm. Um, he's a very good ball runner for a halfback. He's got a very good kicking game for a halfback and good passing game. The problem he's always had is he's often played behind a beaten pack, and when he hasn't played behind a beaten pack, he's been the subservient half. Mm-hmm. You know, and so the Tigers have got a pretty decent looking forward pack now. Not a world beater, but it's not also a bunch of easy beats anymore, especially with the coach they've got there. Yeah. So that should be less of an issue now. He doesn't have Farah or Benji there overcalling him on plays. He's going to be the the most experienced and oldest player in the spine almost, if not currently is. Um, so, yeah, as you said, it's completely his team. He's got no excuses. He should be able to just rock up and just be full of confidence to do things his way. Yeah, and I, I think that that's the thing for me is like, like when you go to the West Tigers training now, and it's his team. It does, does everyone feel that? You know, when, I got no doubt last year you went to a West Tigers training session, and people were like, "Wow, this is Benji's team." You know, yeah. And I, I hope that Luke Brooks, when you go there, he's telling people where he wants them. He's telling he's telling players off when they're doing something wrong. And that, that for me is why I selected him because it has to happen now. He can't, he can't, you know, there's a point where a young halfback, and we talked about it earlier, where you're not a young halfback anymore. You're a seasoned veteran. And Luke Brooks is a seasoned veteran now. Yeah. And it has to be now. No, I agree. I fully agree. Well, it was a pretty thorough um, going through of each team there. Yeah, yeah. We we're going to do the emails. I reckon we hold the emails to the next episode. We'll try and yeah, get a few more in. We can do that. Yeah. Um, anything else we want to mention? No, I think that's it. It's been a good good episode. We've gone through all these teams. We had a good chat about them. Yeah, uh, I've really enjoyed this one. Yeah, it was there. We were worried about not being able to come up with any content, and they just <laughs> we bang that out on your ears, eh? That's why we're the best. We're the best. And that's why you should go to your, your podcasting uh, device that you've got there and leave us a, uh, a comment telling us why we're the, why we're the best. And uh, while you're at it, give us a five-star uh, rating mm-hmm. and maybe even your best um, wild animal uh, recipe. That would be good, yeah, some uh, bushmeat recipes. Yeah, like, um, let's see, bandicoot risotto, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Squirrel recipes. I've actually seen a lot of squirrels being cooked, eh? Yeah. They must be pretty desperate. There's not. Well, I don't think there'd be much meat on there. There's not much meat, but apparently they're pretty tasty. There's plenty of hat on them. Hat? Yeah, you can turn them into good hats. Yeah, you can. You can. They've got nice tails. Um, <laughs> right. Listen, what we need is anybody that wants to buy something nice for themselves or just a loved one. We know we have lots of female listeners, heaps of them. So if you want something that's like for your man in your life, but also for you, 
to a certain extent. Go to manscaped.com. Okay, ladies? Go to manscaped.com. Look through all of their products. You know what he needs. Okay, I'm not going to tell you what he needs. You know yourself. You're looking at it every day going, man, really? Are you serious? <laughs> right? So you go to manscaped.com. Get him something, and it's like a prompt, you know? It's like a, a suggestion. Yeah, He's going to love shit. it. Yeah, yeah, get it sorted out, man. So go to manscaped.com, put in our code, and our exclusive code, it is NRL. Get 20% off, free shipping, third-day money-back guarantee. It's an investment in him, but also for yourself. And let's be honest, the Manscaped tools, they're not sexist. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if you want to use it for yourself, go right ahead. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And we know that, look, the ladies that follow us, that's what they do. That's the, They know what they're doing there. All right? There we go. This is the best of the best. Get one for yourself. Yeah. Bloody oath. Especially at this price. Yeah. Um, and while you've, while you've got your, uh, while you've got your, de- your card details out, go over to patreon.com slash league freak and give that bloke some cash. Yeah, it's a new season. Lots of uh, content being created. As I've said, more tears than West Tigers fans have. So just pick out what you want. I'm sorry, that's Andrew. A, that's a lot. Oh, yeah, it's a hell of a lot. You need, uh, to, you need to scale back the, that number of tears, mate. You don't need that many. 27,000. Um, <laughs> After one game. Yeah, <laughs> every weekend. Um, there's different levels. You can get merch merch gets sent out to you at the higher levels so check them out and uh if you can afford to be part of the patreon that's great also go to patreon.com forward slash rl project rl project is all about the continued digitization of rugby league history and my friend here andrew ferguson is the one that does that we all use rugby league project and it is a fantastic resource when you join up to RL Project's Patreon, you are a contributor to all of that work. And let me tell you, there's some stuff coming down the pipeline. You want to be involved. Okay. Oh, yeah. So get involved right now. Be there early so that when all this stuff happens, you're already there. You're, you're in the party. Okay? Yes. So trust me. Do it. Okay? Do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, also, make sure you check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. We're actually starting to use the Instagram account now until I stop doing it. But, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. Yeah, Andrew's doing a really good job with it. Yeah. I, I saw I, you had a, a picture of uh, Scott Drinkwater up there. That's him. Yeah. So that <laughs> yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah. So um, I'll try and make sure I put something up there for every episode that comes out with a link to the, to the episode, obviously. Um, so make sure you follow us on there. Follow us on the Twitter account. And check us out on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook. We're all on those as well. So, you know, like, subscribe, hit the bell icons and all that sort of shit, you know. You know how to do. Go yeah. there and do it. Become like a – we need you to do all that, like a stalker sort of thing. Like, yeah, oh, exactly. yeah, I'm here too, you know. Exactly. A, a bored stalker. Yeah, like a, single white female but during lockdown stalker. Yeah, but not not even passionate about it. Just stalking on the side because you're bored. Yeah, like uh, what would the word be? Like uh, not blase. I'm thinking of another one. 
I think bored probably works best. Bored, yeah, bored will do. Bored just, will be do. A, just be a bored stalker. Uh, just click, put, click, click, click. Just go everywhere and just start writing fucking uh, Matt Drinkwater. <laughs> That'll work. That'll Scott work. Daylight. Scott Daylight. <laughs> Matt Drink Scott Water. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get in there. <laughs> Scott Drink Later. Who knows? Do what you want. Do that sort of shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, get into it. That'd be fantastic as well. And yeah, if you uh, leave us a comment, we'll add it to our website. Uh, we'll even mention it on the on the podcast. Uh, you can even go to the website and leave a, send us an email on there too, Freaky. Yeah, so our next episode will read emails 100%. So go to com, click on the contact part, and you can just send us an, an email straight through that contacting. It's really easy. Piece of piss. Mm-hmm. There we go. Well, all right. Well, uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll wrap this this turkey up. And um, thanks for tuning in. Catch you all next time.